Yeah. It's that coming up from the bottom. Day one, dollar zero type shit. The only thing I'm ducking is the graveyard. Really with the shit y'all niggas play hard. I made it to a bus, I'm selling eight bars. I came up from nothing, I could never take a day y'all. The only thing I'm ducking is the graveyard. Really with the shit y'all niggas play hard. I made it to a bus, I'm selling eight bars. I came up from nothing, I could never take a day y'all. Turn your baby mama crib into a stash spot. And we moving more aggressive than the last shot. Hieroglyphics and black. That's that gangster song we always play. That's right. Super fun one today, man. How are you, Eli? Eli, I already know I'm how good. you are. I'm, I'm stressing great. you out. We're pushing in business, and because you're the you're the big old brain behind all of it, you're pressed today. Couple. And I love it, man. I love seeing <laughs> I love seeing you. I love seeing you pressed. It's uh, it's it's barely uh, 11 a.m. and we've had a. Uh, Two closings, a couple fires extinguished, um, some clients' needs satisfied, and, uh, and good to go, to man. And podcast set up, and we're rolling. Hey, you're the real hero. No, no, no. Oh, you are. <laughs> There's a little bit of facetiousness in there. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, you're crushing, man. It's Friday. We love getting to Fridays and, and getting a podcast. We had a great uh-huh. one last week with uh, uh, Shea Hillebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, super good dude. We'll be talking more about him lately. But um, we've got a super fun one today. I'm a little partial to this because, you know, I, I follow this guy a lot. He's in the same network we are as far as real estate. And um, personally, I feel like he's just doing it the right way. We see a lot of people in real estate. We even see a lot of people within our own our own company that we're at. We're like, man, I disagree with their tactics. I disagree with how they're going about it. And you know, when we get to agent attraction, I I absolutely love it. But I'm a little partial, and it could be to my own limitations. I'm a little partial to, man, if you're not good at the practitionership, and you're just out there attracting agents for the sake of attracting agents, but there's you've got an empty well and nothing to teach them exactly on how to get better, you know, at their craft. Man, I I question it. You know, but it's a quiet question because it's also not my lane. But the guy we got on today, Jay Kinder, super good dude. Minus, I think, being a Dallas fan, you know, I know we all have things that just aren't the best about us that we we have to own and be honest about. You know, like like for me, my, my fallback is that I think I work too hard. You know, isn't that that cliche statement? You, you think you do or other people being, think you I'm do? I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, 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 exactly. But Jay Kinder is in our upline over here at EXP. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I think they've got 10,000 people in their network. But outside of that, these guys absolutely crush real estate doing five, 600 deals a year. I could be even lowballing that, but they did a great job at the practitionership mm-hmm. and they came from, uh, they came from a background of the volume built the brand, mm. not the other way around. Right. And I'm so, I'm so partial to that man, because whether it was special operations in the Marine Corps or whatever it may be, it was like your ability to be a practitioner is what allowed us to go do high-speed shit because high-speed shit was literally just being brilliant at the basics mm-hmm. regardless of scenario beyond rapport. And Jay Kinder, Michael Reese do a great job with that. It's also very reminiscent of you and I doing some things mm-hmm. together. But uh, without further ado, Jay, minus the cowboy helmets. I appreciate you still throwing them up there. I know the yeah, next time yeah. we see each other at an event, yeah. I bet season, you hit you know me one. You usually got to hide these things, you know what I'm saying? No, man. And it's, you know, I'm a Yankee fan with baseball, right? Grandpa was a, was a Yankee fan and, and it's passed on, but I feel your pain because oh, there's man. so much expectation on that organization and then there's so much shade people throw to Dallas fans, <laughs> but you stand strong and you're kicking ass anyway. But no, man, yeah, we're super yeah. appreciative to have you on here and, um, Man, you know, just a little bit. Tell us, um, you know, kind of how we run the show is like, let's jump right into it. Obviously, you're in real estate. You're at EXP. Um, you're, you know, you're in our upline and crushing. But let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about, 
you know, your literal day $1 zero as in what were you doing prior to real estate? And then when you first jumped into it and it was your literal day $1 zero, how did it start? How did it go about? And then what led you to where you're at now? Yeah, man, that's a, yeah, that's a, a fun story, man. I, I was, uh, I was mowing my dad's rental properties and, um, uh, right out of high school. And these aren't just like normal yards that got mowed. These are the ones that when people moved out, they had been mowing the yard for six months. So I got all the shit work basically. And, um, and, and, you know, clean outs and stuff like that, you know, just, you know, the, the stuff that you could pay a kid like me to do, cause I'd fuck just about anything else up. But, right. um, yeah, I remember going in one day I was getting paid and, and my dad wasn't really ever in sales. You know, he was, uh, he had a property management company. And so he, he actually bought a coal baker franchise the year after the year I graduated. And, um, so I never, you know, he was like out showing houses and going on listing appointments and stuff like that. Like, at least I don't remember that as a kid. Um, but, um, so I didn't really know that much about the sales and the commissions and all that. And I went in one day and this, this little dude was getting paid. Like I was waiting for my check it was like 400 bucks. And this guy got a check and my dad wrote the check and handed it to him. It was like $5,300 or something like that. And I was like, what the hell did he do today? Like, I mean, shoot, I'm out here sweating my ass off and going <laughs> yards and doing all this stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know what he did, but I'm pretty sure I can do it. And he said, well, you just sold this one house over and such and such. Hey, there's one house and you got paid that much. I was like, well, maybe I should look into this real estate thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just kind of opportunity. I was like, I mean, I, you know, I was going to college. I had no vision. You know, I felt like the class I was taking wasn't helping me with anything that I was excited about. And so I, I went ahead and, you know, learned a little bit about the class. My dad, you know, showed me what I had to do to take the class, flunked a couple of times and finally passed it. <laughs> and uh, before I knew it, I was, you know, I was just turning 19 and I was uh, licensed, uh, licensed to sell houses. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. I feel like so, all the, so- I feel like all the hitters, we failed our tests you know, at mm-hmm. least once mm-hmm. right. we had a buddy on who I think took it like seven times. Our buddy, Alex Chapman crushes yep. 250 million in volume and, um, soon to be EXP. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know that he'll, he'll be over here. So, yeah, so yeah, you get yeah. into the game and you're jumping in and like, did you go obviously to a, to a traditional real estate brand? What did that look like when you were yeah. first grinding? And obviously I know, you know, I'm, I'm forecasting a bit, but you grew a team, you crushed that. Um, what did right. that look like as far as getting started? What yeah. was working? What was not working when you first got into the game? Well, nothing worked uh, right out of the gate. I mean, the, you, know, the, you know, you know, I remember my dad telling me this and I, you know, it's not, you know, and I remember a lot of brokers used to say this for years. They're like, well, you know, you need, you know, you need to be prepared to not make anything for six months. I'm like, well, that's not how I operate. So, so we'll make some money before that. But, um, but I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't, what I really didn't realize was that, um, you know, how to get customers. Right. I think that's like the first thing you figure out, like if you, it's different if you get into real estate and you have a sphere of influence, my, all my sphere of influence was still doing keg stands in college. Right. So like, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have that. Um, and so I had to figure out, well, how do you, how the hell do you find people that want to buy and, you know, buy and sell real estate? And so, you know, it was open, it was open houses every Sunday for years. Um, I was consistent, you know, and I, if I didn't have a listing in the beginning, I was holding somebody else's open house. Like, I was just out there doing something, you know, trying to find people that wanted to buy or sell. And, um, you know, what really saved me was, um, was going to different classes and stuff. Like back then they used to fax the broker stuff that, Hey, there's an event coming up over here in Norman you can go to or whatever. And, and, um, I remember this guy came in and, uh, it was a Dale Carnegie sales rep and yep. my dad had apparently gone through Dale, Dale Carnegie before. And so he's like, he was like, yeah. He's like, you got anybody for me? His name was Bob Farrell was the guy's name. And, uh, and he, he, and my dad said, well, you want to do it? I said, well, what is it? He said, it's really good. And I was like, I was just, I'm mean, out 18, 19 years old, I guess at the time. And so I was like, yeah, I guess I'll do it. And I did it. And, and, um, man, it really helped me with, um, 
just my ability to, to do things that scare me. You know what I'm saying? Like make speaking in front of people, things like that. I wasn't, you know, I was kind of a class clown, but I wasn't like, I wasn't, I didn't want to speak in front of people publicly and stuff like that. And so some of the things they make you do in that class, man, you got to grow a little bit. And so that was helpful. A lot of sales, some sales skills and things that were picked up there. And what I learned from that was that, man, there's some knowledge out there that, that I, I don't have. And, and, and if it's in alignment with what I'm trying to do, I should probably try to get in that room, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I started doing those things. And there's one course I rent, remember that it was in Norman, Oklahoma. I drove to Norman and this guy had, um, this guy's name was Roger Butcher. And he had, had created this thing called like a 30 day marketing plan. And I was like, man, that sounds good. Like that's something of value that I'm doing. You know, I have a plan to help sell their home, that kind of thing. And then he started telling me about for sale by owners. <laughs> and uh, he told me like, I didn't know, this is how, this is how dumb it was. I didn't even know that, well, I didn't know what a for sale by owner was. I was like, what is it? You know, so people actually put signs in their yard and they're, they don't have an agent, but they want to sell their house and agents don't call them. Like, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> that to me, that was like, what? So I, I, I remember I called my dad. I said, I said, why didn't you tell me about these for sale by owners? I said, this is crazy. I said, I'm driving around on my lunch break at this class calling for sale by owners in Norman, Oklahoma, trying to get referrals to other agents because they're so lazy. They don't call them. And that didn't work, by the way. It was a lot harder. <laughs> but, uh, but that was, you know, that was, you know, my foray into real estate was, you know, you got to, you know, it's, you don't need if you don't kill something. So you yeah. better figure out a way to get a customer. I, I probably did nine things that didn't work. And then every once in a while, one thing would. And so that would just give me enough hope to go to the next route, you know, how to get customers. Right. Right. And it's, man, it's interesting when you say those kind of things, man, because you had to do the work. And talking about mm-hmm. being consistent and, you know, you had some guys speaking that were pointing you in the right direction and giving you some how-tos, but you had to do the work. And that's the one scarcity sometimes within real estate, man, is like people don't want to do the work. And there's this hard part because, like, you know, from for me, like, I, I built a, a fitness company with my buddy. We built 14 franchises in two and a half years and crushed it. And I was after law enforcement. I dumped, I jumped into real estate and I, I sold all my stuff and I was living in a pantry. My buddy's mom's old Y2K pantry, bro, with fig Newtons and distilled water and, <laughs> and just getting after, but I had a work ethic from, from the Marine Corps to certain things. Like I had a work ethic and the how to's of pointers that would, you know, come my way. I was putting the work in and the amount of content and, you know, and courses and different things that Elon and I have built over time, whether it was producing for our, for our, you know, our team when we were at Berkshire or what we're doing with our network now at EXP, man, it's like, you want to give your kiddos everything you didn't have. But part of why you have everything you have is because you had nothing to get it done with. And like you had to create this over time. And then you start giving them those skill, those tools or those whatever, but it's absent the grit. It's mm-hmm. absent like the, the sweat equity it takes to get there. And we were talking with Alex about that, you know, on, on one of the podcasts prior. And it's like, you have to ride that balance. And it's almost like as you're getting more agents around, the one thing that makes me okay with that versus just like loving on him so much you want to do the work for him is it's a filter because the people that start doing the work, they start separating themselves from the pack. And then as a leader, you start figuring out where your time and energy goes a little bit more than the others. And then where the others can just get you on a Zoom call where everyone else is already. But the one-on-one time or the one-on-three time, like it's got to be reserved for people that start separating themselves, you know, and like, Still going back to your story, you know, let's kind of jump ahead a little bit as far as like still in traditional brokerage, whatever it may be, but like what, what happened over the course of several years? What were you doing different to start separating yourself from the pack a little bit and really start to create a name for yourself, a brand for yourself and some, some progress? 
Yeah, man. So there, there was a distinct moment that I, re- that I recognized that everything was going to be different. It had all been hustled and, and, um, in the beginning, and I just would outwork them. I mean, that was just, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot else to work with. So, you know, I, I would try harder and, and, you know, the feedback I would always get was like, I was enthusiastic, right? Like I had a belief that I could do it. I had a belief I could help people. I was, I liked people. So I didn't mind, you know, talking to people, calling people, going to, you know, knocking a door and none of that stuff really bothered me. And so, you know, I didn't like losing and I, I mean, I hate it hate to lose. And so the thing that drove me early on was part of what drove me early on anyways, was there was a scoreboard in my dad's office. And this one dude named Tom King was always number one, always number one. He talked more shit than anybody I've ever worked with. And I just wanted to kick his ass. Like, I didn't care how, if I made any money at all, I wanted more stars on the board than Tom King. And so that, that drove me every day. I walked in that office. If I was climbing up that board, I knew one day I was going to be, and he was a Redskins fan too. So that didn't help, Mm -hmm. but fuck that guy. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and so yeah, so like so weird things like that to just you know just to being competitive. I don't know what you know where that's born. You know what I'm saying inside of you, but it was inside of me, and I, I hated I hated losing, and I, and um and I and I learned so much. Like I'd go on these appointments, and I would you know I'm physicals and expires. Like early on, that was a big chunk of my business. Like that's what really it, it was the foundation. And it's funny, like when you when you um all the people that I've coached and trained that are doing a, you know, 500, a thousand, 800 deals. I mean, all these good people, like all across the country, I know all looked under the hood of most of their businesses. A lot of them came to me doing 30 or 40 deals a year. We coached them up to this high, high, high levels. And I mean, 100%, not 99%, 100% of them all called physicals and experience. Mm-hmm. Like they did that work. And so, you know, you just learn how you, you just get beat up doing it, right? Like you're either going to figure out what to say, what not to say, when to shut up, you know, what, you know, how to close for the appointment. You're going to either figure that out or, or you're going to get out of real estate. Cause you're going to, you're just going to hate it. Right. And so like, you know, once you, once you realize, man, this is an easy, no cost, there's no cost associated with generating those opportunities. When you get a listing, you might sell it, <laughs> a buyer, a buyer, you know, you might represent the buyer. It might, so it can create a lot of revenue for you. And now you can start to look at where you want to invest money in, into marketing. Right. And so that's what happened for me. That was the transition for me. And, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, you, you spend a lot of money on things that don't work, you know, and everybody's trying to sell you something in real estate. And so I, I had to learn marketing, but I, I was doing, um, I was doing a full page ad in the newspaper and, um, and I did a billboard at the same time, I want to say, and then Shortly after that, I did, I, I bought some guy. I mean, I was the easiest sell in the, in the whole marketplace, man. They, once they saw I was selling some houses, man, everybody was coming to my office trying to sell me something. So guys came in and sold me radio. And um, I remember I was on an appointment. I came back to the, to the office and it was probably a month, a month or two into some of the advertising stuff that I'd signed up for, which was scary. It was scary because it was more money than I was really comfortable spending, but I had to try something to get to, you know, to get to the next level. And I had two messages when I came back into the office and it was people that wanted to list their house with me. And I was like, these were strangers, people I didn't know. And I was like, Oh hell yeah. Something I'm on to something now. And that's, that was a, that was a moment for me where I realized, man, when you understand marketing and how to build your brand and how to attract business, um, you know, versus chasing, you know, then, you know, not that you're not going to, you're going to stop chasing it. Cause that was a oil well, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to do both a little bit of both to get those, both those oil wells pumping. Um, you know, then I saw that there was, there was no limit to what you could accomplish. And it wasn't that hard, you know, it was, there was a better way. And I was just trying to figure out what it was. And that was, that was where the, that was the moment for me where, where it really started to take off. And, and, and Jay, I really like, man, that you, um, everything that you mentioned, you went out and just started trying shit, right? Like you yeah. said, you tried, you know, nine things and then the 10th thing might hit, right? I think right. that's a lot of things with real estate agents to where 
man, they, they like that's an that's an entrepreneur mentality, right? Hey, you're trying right. shit, you're figuring it out, and and you're gonna look at your results and then make adjustments and go forward. I feel like in real estate, and you talk to hundreds and hundreds of eight, thousands of agents. Tell me if I'm wrong. Real estate, I feel like, is uh, disguised as a job, right? Like you're an employee. You have this managing broker who is seemingly like your boss, and there's such a low barrier of entry that once people get their license, what they don't realize is like, oh, shit, I'm an entrepreneur now, but they're still thinking like an employee, and they're waiting for someone to tell them what to do. What, what are your, what are your, what's your experience with that with agents, man? It's amazing that that's the, that's the still today that, that most of the brokerages out there, like when you join, they ain't got a plan for you. They don't have, you know, it's, um, you're, it's very much, you, you, you have to figure it out for yourself. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to call you at home, make sure you're getting out of bed. Nobody's going to make sure you're at the sales meeting on Tuesdays. No, but nobody's going to, um, going to give you a, a, a plan and hold you accountable and, and, and make sure you send the end of day report. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yep. a, if you've never been on your own, truly, you know, have to, to do it yourself, then yeah, it's, 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 um, it's really, I think challenging for me, I put in so much work in it that I, I became calloused and kind of pissed off. Like there's, why the hell isn't somebody teaching all this shit when you get mm -hmm. started? Like, why did it have to be so hard? And, and you know, I had, a, I had a kid at a young age. And so like, I'm, I remember leaving birthday parties and I remember leaving, uh, you know, missing events and things of that nature because of this business. And so I just kind of have a little chip on my shoulder about it. And so that's, that's kind of what led me into coaching. I was like, man, I mean, I figured it out, but most people are going to give up long before that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, you know, there, you're, you're kind of on your own. There's not a, um, you know, unless you're aligned with the right organization, which I mean, we, you know, we understand it, but like, if I've got a vested interest in your success, you're going to be successful. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if, if you have a chance to be successful at all, I'm going to do my best to make sure I help you. You, if you do the work, you know, you're going to be successful, but you know, that's, you know, without that financial alignment, you know, then, you know, you're, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to have a lot of willpower. So like, um, I, to, I, so ideally, man, it's like, so what you're saying is you want people to be able to maybe like, they still got to do the work of course. Right. Cause you can't physically like, you know, hit the hammer for them, but essentially you're trying to show them, Hey, these are the nine things that didn't work. This is the thing that did do the work here instead of just spinning your wheels over here. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So, so let, this is, a, this is actually, that's a great point. And so like, I didn't know, like when somebody would ask me, you know, when I was, you know, doing maybe like two or 300 deals a year, which I was still quite, quite successful, you know, by the terms of what most people would say is mm -hmm. success in real estate. And, and, and uh, when people, somebody would ask me what I had done, I mean, I, I could look back and be like, I don't know how the hell I got here. Like <laughs> I did a lot of so many things. I don't even know what the hell I did first and what worked and what for sure. What was, you know, yeah. you know, you don't really know. And then, I'll never forget Mike Reese called and we ran into each other at Lake Texoma. And at the time I had just bought a 35 foot fountain boat. Like I'm, boats are my thing. Like that was the mm -hmm. first thing. As soon as I had a dollar in my account, like I was going to buy a boat. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> I, bought, I bought this, you know, big ass boat, which is bust out another thousand. That's nothing truer than, than that about boats. But this, this particular big boat, you know, he saw me at the lake and he's like, that's Jake Kinder. I know that guy. We knew each other from uh, going to college together. One course. I think he said I would come in every time. And, and after roll call, I would leave um, the class. I don't remember. It was like music appreciation or something. But, uh, so Mike's like, dude, man, what do you do now? And he was managing Bally's Bally's. Um, and they called him the turnaround kid. They would put him in the store that was the worst. And he was, he would sell it back to, back to the top. So he was a, the closer, he was a salesman. And so he had some, he had the gift of, you know, if you got sales skills, which any skill can be learned, but he had the work ethic, but he said, Hey man, what did you do first? And I was like, oh, he said, what should I do first? Not what did I do first? I didn't know what I did first. Mm -hmm. and, and what I did first didn't work anyway. Right. So like he would, he would literally call me every day 
And he first, he had it before he had his license. He had the same website I had that was generating 300 leads a month. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right out of the gate, he had the right tools. Right. And so that was, that was a huge you know, deal. I was like, dude, this, this is going to be easier for you, bro. Like you have yeah. to give me how much shit I had to buy to figure out that this is the best website. Like all of the, and how many flying around the country to this event at that event, talk to these agents, these people use this tool, you know, like all that kind of stuff just saying out, they're readily available. And if they're in your traditional brick and mortar office, ain't nobody telling you what's best and what's not. You're the competition. Mm-hmm. So, so like he, he comes out of the gate, just kills it. And, and his third year, he did a million in GCI, but he called me every step along the way. Hey man, should I hire some? I'm thinking about hiring. No, don't, hire, don't make that hire first. Make this hire first. Yep. Hey, this is what I'm going to do next. No, 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 that shit don't work. Don't do that. That's not going to work. Do it this way or do that or whatever. And so he, he was able to not make the mistakes or at least not make as many of the mistakes. And, you know, you see, put him in the right direction. You know, there's so many things you can focus on and do in real estate. You do the wrong, wrong, right things in the wrong order. You still don't get there. Right. Or if you do the right things in the right order, you get there way faster. And so like after he got to that, you know, that million, he did a million, 245,000. I couldn't believe it in his third year. And so from that point on, we were like, man, this ain't, if a couple of knuckleheads like us could figure this out, we could, well, we could probably help a lot of people, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that, and that started to become, the passion was just around helping people. And, and that's, um, that's really what, really what it boils down to is it's understanding how, how what, what is the framework of how you make decisions in your business, right? And so once you understand the framework and then a good mentor is somebody who knows what are all the ways to do something and then what's the best way, right? It, Many times, like you, you know, you're you don't know you don't even know what all the ways are. You could go sell, you know, another house this month, but you know, when you know all the ways, and then you figure out well, what's the best way, what's going to be the easiest way, what's going to be the least amount of resistance. You know, you could pick. You know, somebody sells you a short sale course, and you go get short sale leads, and you don't realize that your first closing is going to be a year from now, and you mm-hmm. have a thousand dollar a month investment. That's a twelve thousand dollar investment before you ever get a return. Yep. That's not where you start. Right. And so those are the types of mistakes people tend to make because they don't have a good framework for how they evaluate all the ways, or they don't have a good mentor or coach Mm -hmm. that can help them to understand a framework to make decisions and then help them with making the right ones. It's it's that, it's that it's like the, it's the practitionership. It's like, Hey, you've got to understand contracts. You've got to understand systems and processes. You've got to understand the process of what a buy looks like and what a sell looks like and what a short sale looks like and what a pre foreclosure sale looks like. You have to be, and that's where I get super romantic. It's like everything we're talking about is fucking baller. But then I go to, hey, I bet Reese was fucking proficient at speaking to clients. So, right. Like, let's not negate yeah. the fact that, hey, he's a proficient oh, yeah. fucking realtor. Right. And I yeah. think everyone nowadays, you know, because, man, how, how many years have you been in real estate? 25. 25? Yep. Fucking old man. Grand old <laughs> know, man. man. Grand old man in real estate. But, you know, it's not you that know. long, but it's just now starting to change as far as YouTube and some different things, which is awesome. Right. Like, man, I'm in my, right. I'm in my fourth year of real estate. Right. And like our, our YouTube channel did, you know, just, just above $2 million in commissions by itself. Yeah. You know, and yeah, hey, that's, that's cool. A, that is the, that is the, the, YouTube is the, is the easy, it's not the easiest. It's maybe one of the hardest, but it is the, it is the place where there's the most opportunity. I see there's a land grab right now. If you're it good is. and if you get around the right people and like our systems yep. and processes behind just what you see on camera on YouTube and the research and development and how much him and I are involved and what the titles are, where are people falling yeah. off where they're watching? How can we get them to watch longer? Should we change the title two weeks later to get it, to get more views? Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Oh, yeah. Yep. But at the end of the day, when people are talking about like our conversion, it's like, hey, look, man, we're really fucking good at understanding client needs and managing emotions and the actual practitionership of the craft. Mm-hmm. Because if we're out yeah. trying to get attention, 
but we're this empty well, man, it's really hard to convert. And like you see it a lot because people want to put the cart before the horse and they want this brand and these things. And it's like, hey, Jay Kinder doing for sale by owners and all this grunt work and all of this time he took learning his practitionership. By the time he ends up on radio and then radio blows up for him, he's prepared for strangers calling him because he's capable of creating that relationship through proficiency, right? Like yep. a lot of times if people know you, they'll let you sell their house or buy their house and okay, throw you a little favor. But when you start working with a big, broad network where it's not people you know, we don't know yeah. anybody from our YouTube channel. Right. That relationship is being built off of professionalism and proficiency, man. Right. But mm -hmm. then from there, they start getting, we start getting referrals from them and they're all in this private Facebook group. So all of these people do that are moving to Colorado that close with us. We put them into a private Facebook group with other people just like them and moms right. start talking to each other and getting coffee together. And that's a whole other fucking podcast on how to on retention. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're not proficient and consistent with actually getting the fucking deal done, what does it matter? It just, none of no. it matters. Right. And like, no. yeah. and it's, it's starting to make that shift. So just like you were shifting, you were doing some radio and things like, Hey, now social media, YouTube, things are popping off. But fundamentally for you, when it comes to relationships or certain things, as far as like how you develop agents, what is still, and I don't mean like radio ads or, or newspaper ads. I mean like skill sets or value ads or core values in a realtor. What is still true today, regardless of how romantic or how fancy or different platforms that are being created for you, for realtors, what are still like those core values you feel that need to be consistent? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Jay Abraham calls it the strategy of preeminence. Um, and it's, it's really, it's, it's just adding, I mean, it's from my, my shirt, I think you can't see it's in black on black, but it says, it says add value, right? And so, like, I learned this a long time ago, and you just focus on adding value to people's lives in every possible scenario, and, and just continue to do that over and over and over and over again, man, everything seems to work out, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so like that, it starts like, you gotta be, you gotta genuinely want to help people and solve their problems and understand their problems before, before anything else. And that's, that, that's the foundation of, of what you're doing. You have to be a trusted advisor. You have to be an expert. You have to know the marketplace. You have to know the best vendors. You have to be the best at what you do period. And, and the funny thing was, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know that, but because I didn't have a whole lot of people to work with early on and because I was young and I looked young, I had to somehow come across as, as, as half-assed intelligent. And so I just did a lot of market research kind of stuff and try to understand, like when I walk in the bank and David Madigan, the president says, Hey, how's the market? I'd be like, Hey, there's, you know, 984 houses, houses on the market. That's you know down 4% from last year. I knew some numbers and stuff that sounded, <laughs> maybe it was, yeah. uh, sounded smart enough that people were like, Hey man, this guy knows what he's talking about. And so, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't skip the step of becoming the actual expert and you can't, um, you can't do this business without genuine and genuinely and authentically caring about people. Like right. that's fundamentally just, it's impossible. And if you do that and everything else you come across and whatever it is, marketing and radio, I came across that way. If, if it's in print, you don't really, you can't really tell, but when I'm face to face with people that comes across and, and, you know, if you don't have that emotional intelligence, um, you know, it's it, this, this game is, is very difficult to play. And it's acquired mm -hmm. through reps, man. Like you got to take your mm -hmm. punches. You got to take your reps. And mm -hmm. I know now you've probably been non-transactional per se, right. For a long time. And you've got a huge network and now your new client are agents, right. And helping right. agents build their brand, build their business, being more proficient with the transaction or, you know, guys like myself and Eli where, yep, we fucking crush that. And we've got systems and processes and Hey, now we're diving into 10xing agent attraction and throwing events and things that you know and things of what that looks like so you had like what i would call like your infantry level 
grind when you were doing deals, right? And just getting your business going. What's your business like now? Like what's that, what does that grit and that grind look like at your level, right? Because most people think, hey, you get to that level and and it's just chill, drinking fucking Mai Tais, right? Like finger popping your asshole, whatever, right? And it's like, well, I'm sure there's a grind and there's a level of retention and pouring in and influencing agents within your entire network to allow them to continue to leveling themselves up, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're now the guy that's kind of hit the top of the mountain, but you're helping everybody, like you're, you're putting your hand yeah. out, helping everybody else get to the top as well. So I'm sure there's things you've adapted to. I'm sure there's new lessons that you've learned. I'm sure there's still a, a grind and some grit and some tenacity at that level that's usually described at the out hustling, doing, doing deals, but there's got to right. be something similar at, at the level to where you're at now. And like, what does that look like? And an add on to that question, yeah, dude, an yeah, add on to that real ahead. quick, Jay, um, the transition piece too, oh, yeah. um, coming from, yeah. cause I'm sure, and this is kind of where we're at, man. So self, it's a selfish question for Eli. Cause we're at on that top f- of my question. We're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hey, he's been disrespecting me all day. We're, so we're, so we're at that phase where man, we're, we're one foot over here with clients or one foot over here with agents and just hustling super hard in both. So man, so at, on, on, at, as part of Will's question, just that transition, I'm sure there's a period where you guys are doing both as well. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, we'll talk, I'll talk about, I'll answer the transition one second. The, um, you know, the thing that's, this, this might be surprising, but I'll tell you that like, I've always had my kind of have my back against the wall and I kind of like it. Right. Like I kind of like it when the pressure's on and when Mm -hmm. the pressure's on, I'll perform, you know what I'm saying? But I, I like that pressure. I've never been in a place where the money compounds and compounds and compounds and just compound. I can't even invest it fast enough. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it sounds like a stupid problem to have, but I will tell you, it fucks with your head because I, I, whatever, every, I used to, wherever I pointed my attention, I could move the needle in every business I've ever been a part of right now. I can't see the needle move when I, when I point my effort into it. And so that's been, that's been a, that was a new thing to get used to. Um, and so I, I had to, I had to dig to find like, what's that? What is it? What am I doing? What am I doing that matters? What am I doing that really matters? And, and it's, and it's, you know, um, we got it now. It's like a hundred, I got a hundred people. I'm making a millionaires. I'm having a hundred people. I'm helping be millionaires now. And I'm not doing a transaction. I used to do that. I can help anybody sell more houses. You want to sell more houses? I can help you sell more houses, but I'm looking for those people that want, want to become a millionaire and passive income. And that's, and, and, you know, first you help the people swim into the boat and now then, then, you, then it's like, okay, who else, who else, who else? You're looking for the people that, that have the ability to, and they would do it, but they just need your leadership and they need you, they need you, your help to do it. So it kind of goes so, back to what I was talking about earlier, where it's like, even him at the level that we're at, it's like, you start seeing who's separating themselves, you mm-hmm. know, from the pack and who's like, like for us, we're, we're a couple lines down in your downline. Right. But like, Hey, yep. these dudes are making over $2 million in commissions on their YouTube channel. They're crushing deals or they're getting, you know, they're starting to like have people flooding into their downline. Like, Hey, there's, there's more there. Like, Hey, so Hey, Will and Eli could be on the docket for, Jay Kinder helping those guys make a million dollars of passive income. And then right, what, and absolutely. then what's next, what's next, what's next. And right. So you're just being very um, intentional with who gets your time and your influence because you want to get, you want to give that football to someone who's going to fucking run it all the way. Yeah, you got the, the leverage. Yeah. The, right. you, the le- it's a, this is a huge piece. Now I didn't know, I didn't know what this was going to be like necessarily. And, and it makes sense. It's leadership one-on-one. Like you, you need, you need, if you've got somebody that's a, that's an up and coming leader, we call them, we call them soldiers and then captains when you have a hundred in your group. And then a general, when you get to a thousand, 
And you know, it, you know, and it, and it after you know, once you get to really, which ones you, you call Marines? Run, which ones you call yeah. Marines? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the naming conventions were, were <laughs> collective collaborative idea. We could have done better. That's just um, my ego. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I got you, dude. But yeah, but just trying to identify where where they're at and 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 where that what help they need at those stages. Yeah. Um, when when you have under a hundred, you're not you know, you can't financially stop doing what you're doing. You, you know, you need to you know this goes to that transition Eli was asking mm. about. You know, you, you, you do is you do a little bit of, uh, of this, um, a little bit of this and, and not, you know, and, and not, you know, back to the grind, back to the grind. I got to mm-hmm. eat, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, there's, you know, those are the people that you're kind of trying to help cross that chasm of, of, of getting more focused on the leadership and leading others so that they, you know, they can help those people get financially free too. And so, yeah, there's, um, there's a gap. Every person I work with has a gap. We had a gap. So when we joined, you know, I was getting paid for selling coaching out of the coaching unit, the business unit. And, um, we had the brokerage too. It wasn't, I wasn't taking a draw on a check. We get dividends on that one, but that this one was where I was really was where the money was. And so, you know, I had to decide when am I going to stop selling that person coaching and sell them on coming to EXP. And it happened all mm-hmm. one in one three day span where, where it, it happened for me. The clarity happened for me was the, the answer. I accidentally sent an email out and um, uh, to all the database and it was a free coaching call with me and I sent it and I left my calendar open for three days straight, like literally wide open. So it just filled every day. It was a Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was like, I was, I remember I was driving home and I saw the ding, 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 ding was coming through all these people's schedule of calls. I was like, what did I do? And I was like, <laughs> oh man. And so I did all these coaching calls and at the end of every one of them, I was like, man, I, and I didn't want to, I wanted to sell them because I knew that's what I needed to do was sell them, but I couldn't because I knew what was better for them. And every one of them, like what was best for them was them to partner with us at DXP. Like yep. this is going to solve all your problems. Like I can help you with every one of those things, but if you were partners with me, you wouldn't even have to pay me. And it became clear, like, Oh, this is just a better way. Like this model solves yeah. so many problems in so many different ways that it was just, it became very apparent that that was a focus. And, but still for me, there was a number I needed to get to. For me, it was just 30 grand a month. Once I got to 30 grand a month, there was no question that, and it really didn't, it was before, I knew before that, but once I got to 30 grand a month, it was, you know, now that now I'm a, that's what I was paying myself. So now I know I'm good, mm. but, but you know, you, you, you have to kind of get clear on what that number is. And, and if you're not, you'll know when you get to it, because there's a certain point you can look over and like, I just dropped 10 grand in my account this month. Where, where'd that come from? And yep. it may be insignificant compared to your, you know, 2 million in commissions, but you didn't do anything really for that money. So yep. like it becomes very clear. Well, if I could get 10, I could probably surely get it to 20. If I get it to, 20, yeah. get it to 40. But and you then, are doing stuff because you're coaching. Yeah. But then they're going to go out and, and the difference between like coaching alone and then coaching when you're, when you're in this model of EXP is, you know, True. you, you coach someone and you get paid for that session and you get paid for that program, but then it stops. Right. But when they're within yeah. our network, Hey, I'm going to coach you but then you're going to go out and produce and I'm getting paid on your production. And then you're going to master that. And then that same person is now ready for their own agent attraction. Yep. And we get to train them on that. And what I love, man, is like we come from the traditional model over at Berkshire and top 1%, top 0.5% in the world for production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. But we started having agents on our team. We coached them so well, they were now ready for the next level. They were now ready to be a team leader, but they can't be a team leader on our team. They would have right. to leave our team to do something like that. But here with where we're at, it's like, hey, we can coach you to be subject matter experts and practitioners at the infantry level to do and crush deals and help build your brand. But then when you when you master that 
and you're ready for your own agent attraction and different levels of, of proficiency and branding and scaling, you never have to leave us. We can just keep pouring into you. I never mm -hmm. have to stop being your daddy, right? Like yep, right. I can just pour in and then they also get to pour into people below them who are below them, who are below them. And it, and they also get everyone in that upline. And it's, man, it is like you're, like you say, it's just, dude, it's just the right move. Like you, you never have yeah, to keep coming back and asking who has any, things. Yeah. Any, anybody who has any, I mean, any business experience whatsoever that sees the model and understands like what this is, it's a, it's a, it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. I mean, we're funny. I mean, I hated asking for credit cards, but I knew that that they needed to have skin in the game to a certain degree for one thing. Um, and I knew that, that the value was there, but it's, it's way cooler to not have to ask somebody for money and be like, Hey man, I'm mm -hmm. just going to help you today. You yeah. Know? Like that feels good. Like that for me on a daily basis, I get to help people. And I don't have to charge them anything. And that's a pretty cool thing to be able to do for a living. And so, um, and, and, and I'm only going to be successful if I help you be successful. I Meaning, I'm going to get paid only when you are successful. You and could be so, an asshole and it would, and the model would still work. Like you could, right. you could be Except an art. I like, don't recruit assholes. No, for <laughs> sure. A, I know what you mean, but like, you know what I'm saying? but literally it's like the way that the model is there, it's, it's encouraging and it makes the people above you want to pour into you and help you become successful with doing deals and with just building your influence and. No, man, we, we, we love it, dude. It's, but it's, it, it is interesting to hear when you talk about getting to your first 100. Is that like in your front line or just total, like a no, hundred um, total? In the, you know, so we're, we, you know, we're at 10,000 between me, Mike and Al, you know, that that's basically grabs another level below my seventh and then Al's front line. So like, you know, Mike has almost 2000 in his, what would be my eighth level. So that that's how I have 8,000. I just crossed 8,000 day before yesterday. So, so it's collectively, it's, it's, you know, a little over 10,000 and um, that's a lot. But, you know, the, all the way up to this, you know, this year, really, I, I was, I was helping anybody, any level, didn't matter where you were at. If you were, you were looking for help, I was doing calls with them. And I, and I felt, I feel like those conversations, you know, no different than if somebody's listening to this, the ahas are probably starting to pop off. You know, the, you know, I can get, I can help them with where you're at, where you're trying to go and I can unravel what we need to do to help them. And once they believe that I can help them, then, then the, the opportunity for them to come over the finance, the financial almost always makes sense, right? Almost mm -hmm. always, you're almost always better off no matter where you're at in production being a DXP. You know, most people end up getting paid to be the XP. You're getting paid to be the XP. I'm getting paid to be the XP. We ain't paying them anything. And so people, once they, once they realize, Hey man, I think they can actually help me solve my problem, save me some money too. Then it's a lot easier for them to make that, make that decision. And so that's, you know, and I do that with, you know, with anybody and everybody and no matter where they're at, it doesn't matter. There's some half the time they're probably not even in my revenue share group at all. But you know, in, in doing that, I feel like at the end of those days, I feel like, man, I made a difference today. Like yeah, there's probably man. 10 people going to join now that probably maybe would have, but probably wouldn't have, you know, some of them definitely wouldn't have. And some days I felt like every one of them, I was the difference maker. And so, um, and so that like, but then again, you know, like my best examples of, of, you know, from a leadership standpoint and from a duplicatable process and helping others do the same was, you know, I had the great, this great dude, Dan Hillsman, who was, you know, kind of was going to do agent attraction, but he wasn't even coming over for that. He was just like, man, I'm going to save money. I'm going to get y'all, y'all going to help me sell more houses. That's why I'm joining. He ended up, he ended up being very coachable and the most consistent person that I've had. And, um, and he, he, you know, he did a you know, four or 5 million in production, been in business 20 years, real soft-spoken, nice guy. You wouldn't consider him a, 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 like a recruiter. And um, he just, he, he followed the process, put people on three-way calls and it got to a point where, well, he don't need, he knows exactly what I'm going to say every time. And so he could just do the three-way calls for his team. And he's got three or four people. I did, I did 150 three-way calls with Dan Hillsman and with his three key people that were focused somewhat on Asian attraction. All four of those people now are out of production. Dan will hit a thousand agents here in the next couple months. 
These other agents are at 500 or more. They're making more money than they've ever made. Passive income, you know, more, more than a quarter million a year last year. And they never made that much money in their life. And so, but, but, you know, that, that was the process, you know, and, and now they're doing three-way calls for their teams. Right. And that's, And it's just a matter of, it's just like calling something, you're going to instantly resist because, it, you know, I'm selling, right? Nobody likes to be sold. And so you create resistance when you're trying to sell EXP. Man, I'm just selling, hey, man, I know a guy. I know a guy that can help you. The dude used to crush it, sold 500 plus homes a year. If you can sell that conversation, mm-hmm. let me do the selling. Now, because now they're sold on, oh, I want to hear what this guy's to say. This sounds pretty awesome. And now I can show you how I'm going to help you, right? And so right. that's that's really the, you know, the just the psychology behind that is better than just trying to sell people on EXP. And that's what a lot of people get confused about. It's like, oh, lucky EXP, I don't want to recruit because the way they're being recruited is, you know, I, I say it's like Fight Club. The first rule about Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, right? <laughs> but don't talk about EXP. This ain't about EXP. This is about if if we can help you go from here to here, would you would you be open to uh, how that what that might look like? And and uh, that's really what the that's what you know agent attraction is. But it is but it's relationships. But yeah, being but being able to say what you just said, hey, if we could get you from here to here, would you want to come over? You don't get to say that unless you're a great practitioner at whatever your subject matter expertise is. Facts. If you can't help mm-hmm. them do that, then you don't get to say that. So all you fall back on is 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 trying to. T- trying to preach a brand or throw something else that indirectly blinds them or what you think blinds them to your inadequacy. So, you know, so being proficient is super big. Quick question, yep. Jay. So, um, you know, when you mentioned those people doing like the three way calls with you and stuff, are they expected to be able to provide that person? Like, are they telling that person, Oh, I can get you from here to here. Or is it simply just the, no, Hey, so you got to talk to this guy. Yeah. So that's the, you know, that's that, the, you know, edifying someone else, you know, the, making someone else levitate, you know, the, that's yeah. this, Mike Reese was good at this man. Like he, anywhere we'd go, he would, he would sell me and make me levitate versus trying to sell how great he is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And as a partnership, it always feels good to have someone that can help, that can edify you. And, and, and then, you know, then, you know, people are paying attention they get more respect. Yep. So I've, you know, I've seen the, the role of edification and how it works in a lot of different, you know, different scenarios. But that's what, that's really what it is. And at the end of the day, you don't have to be able to help someone with every aspect of how to get solve their mm-hmm. problems. But, but in, in this environment, you do know that how you, you, you need have to know guy. how we're going to help them. Right. And so, yeah. you know, you, you know, a guy, that's all you need to know. And if you just get on there and just shut up and let me do the talking, you'll learn the process. It's not mm-hmm. that hard. And then we give them all the tools, right? Like, just like you guys give them all the, you give them all the tools, you know, how they're going to get help, but it's not necessarily that they're going to be the one that's holding them because in many cases, their production isn't at the level that that person's production is at. And, mm-hmm. and if you're trying to sell that, they ain't buying that. Right. right. So you, you have to leverage the power of the group. And, you know, I think edifying anyone, some, some leader in your organization um, is, is the way to do that the best way. And until, until you get to a point where you can do it. And again, you know, the system isn't, you have to be able to help that person go from their A to B. You just have to know what the process is that they're going to plug mm-hmm. into. That's even if you're strong. That. Yeah. Even at, like, I feel like Elon and I are extremely strong at, our YouTube. We're extremely strong at practitionership with, with developing people and cranking deals. We're extremely proficient at doing the deals. So I would say him and I are extremely confident and like, Hey, if there was no one above us, I would still trust myself with the people that were, that were uh, recruiting or, mm-hmm. or the agent attraction. Right. But with that being said, what I'm getting at is even if you're a, an extremely strong person, you're limiting yourself. If you're not applying the team as mm-hmm. in yes. mm-hmm. Will and Eli are really good at this. But hey, if you're looking at diving into leads or radio or doing certain things with your brand, and that's not necessarily my lane, but I'm familiar with my upline and I know who can speak to that lane to help them, yep. 
great because, you know, yeah, okay, you're the most valuable player in the NFL. But if you don't have any receivers mm-hmm. to throw to, right. it would not matter. So even as confident as Eli and I are, having the Jay Kinders of our upline that are great at what they do, that are great at explaining certain things or just whatever their expertise is, hey, man, have that available because it also gives that person that's coming over, it gives them the feeling and the impression of, mm-hmm. hey, man, you're coming into a team. Yep. You're coming into a conglomerate of resources that are going to help you scale. It's not just Will because, well, what if Will gets busy? I don't want, man, I don't want to call him or, well, yeah. what, oh, man. No, no, no. Hey, there's an entire conglomerate of just awesome dudes that are above me that are also going to be helping with A, B, and C in addition to what I'm helping yep. you with, which I feel like that's the best part of it. it you still got to be great at what you do, but don't let being great at what you do limit you from exposing yep. people to your entire network. Mm-hmm. Right. 100%. Yeah, that's it. So moving forward, man, unless you got a question nope, on that, but like, man, what's your, um, you know, so obviously you guys have like 10,000 people in your, in your network, right? Will and Eli, we're super cute. We get some of your one-on-one time, hopefully, right? Like we'll harass Always. you, <laughs> but yeah. how, you know, like what does your regiment look like as far as like for all 10,000 people, how do they get Jake, Jay and Michael Reese? Is it, do they go to in-person yeah. events? Are you doing, are you doing private groups once a week, once a month? What does your structure look like that lets you mm-hmm. get to the masses in addition to your time with yeah. other heavy hitters? Great question. Yeah. So yeah, great question. So it's starting to segment a little bit. And so for the last four years, I've, been, I've only been here four years. So I guess, the, you know, up until this point, the things that have started to change a little bit in terms of where I invest my time um, there, I would say, there was probably very few people that you could find that would say, I reached out to Jay and I didn't hear back from him. like that. And probably, I mean, I would, I would, I would have to debate, man. Like it would have had to have been one of those just random days that I missed something, but so that felt good. You know, they got to a point like, okay, that ain't working no more. Like, I can't. I think the only time you respond is like the day after Dallas loses a playoff game. You're not answering <laughs> right, fucking right, fuck. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. And tomorrow when I call you after all these right. Dallas jokes, yeah, you're not responding. To me. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I, you know, I try to respond to everybody. Um, you know what? I'll tell you what I don't respond to um, questions that people can find real easily. And they just use, they try to use me as the, as the, mm-hmm. Hey, um, what, you know, it's just little things like, you know, you can go in workplace and get that answer in 10 seconds. I'm not even going to bother with the response to it. Um, and so I'm, I train them in that way, not to, not to do that. Cause I don't respond to those types of questions, but um, you know, outside of that, I try to help, I try to help everybody. And, and usually within, I mean, usually within a day, definitely within two days, I can have a time uh, that I can, I can be on a call with somebody. Right. And so what happens, what was happening that I, that I could no longer do was I just left my calendar open for anybody to get into it. And, um, and I would get a lot of people that were asking the same things over and over. And sometimes it would be like seven in a row. I'm like, this is a problem. We got to, if you get seven of the same questions in a row, there's a problem, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't because there wasn't a system for it. Cause we did build a system for it. People just weren't using the system. And so like, it was the same people every six months saying, I want to do agent attraction. And I would tell them the same shit I told them the last time and they didn't do anything. You know, just like you were talking earlier, like with, you know, when you're, when you're working with people, you got to, you want to work with the ones that go do shit. And then they're, 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 they're up a level here when you see them again and they got a new problem, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, this person's getting somewhere. And, and so I'll pour into those people because between the whistles, they're growing. Right. And like, if I, I'm only, if I'm only, you're only growing when I'm on a call with you, I can't mess with you no more. Like you gotta, you gotta grow in between the, in between those calls. And you're not and growing so, when you're on that call. Cause if you go do no. nothing with it, like every time you talk on that call, it's hypothetical. It's here's what right. you could be doing. And here's what that could look like. But unless you go apply it, there are no mm-hmm. actual. Yeah. Thing like if you and I keep talking football, you're a football coach. I keep talking about coming and playing quarterback for you. 
It's not, I mean, until I'm on your team throwing the football and you and I are talking about plays that are working, plays are not that working, how, hey man, no, you don't think that play works, it does, but you're not looking at that receiver to the left because you keep throwing to the check down in the flat because you're fucking scared to be in the pocket. I need you doing this. Yep. Those, those on the field conversations are where you're growing. Me coming and talking to you once a month about playing for your football team at some point, it's, it's a waste of time. Right. And so, so it is, um, and again, you know, you know, the solution is there. I mean, we built agentattractiontraining.com. I would, I would end every call or I would start every call. There are 20 minute calls. Um, and you know, in, in the language, in the setting, the call was very, it was very, uh, poignant about don't waste my damn time. Mm-hmm. You know, have your questions ready. Uh, call, you're calling me. This was a huge deal, man. You're calling me. I'm not calling you. You're calling me my cell phone. And so I didn't have to jump into a zoom room or do none of that stuff. Like I was in, I mean, boom, and so anywhere I'm at, I could be, I could, I could stay on the fly, stay light and do things and, and, and be flexible with where I was at. And I could still take a phone call and, and it, and it didn't feel heavy to me. Right. And so it was 20 minute calls. People were very respectful of my time. Rarely did people not show up. And so like, that was, that was, you know, that was by design, you know what I'm saying? And so I was pretty efficient. I felt like as efficient as I could be with as many people as we have, but today I do it. I'm doing it manually until I find a better way. But I've, I've, I've identified my leaders. I've identified the top 100. I've had them identify their top up and comers. And now I'm pouring into those people and I'm putting them in a separate group and I'm working them separately and I'm giving them a separate calendar link. And I'm being very intentional about who I'm working because I'm trying to help build my next, my next, you know, millionaire, right? Like I'm going to get, this is the next one that's going to go to a thousand and, and I'm focusing on where they're at in my organization more than I ever have. So like, I, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, I'll help anybody. You know, you, anybody can get my calendar. I'll give you everything I got. There's nothing that's a secret. I'll help everybody win. We all win if we win together mm-hmm. at this company anyway. And so it ain't like that, but if I'm going to be strategic, which I am, I want to, I, I understand the impact that, you know, 31% of my, my group is in my seventh level. So for every person I'm working at, that's on my second tier, I'm losing 31% of those agents that they get a thousand, I'd lose 310 agents potentially in, you know, based on the numbers. And so that's a significant, you know, uh, change in my strategy. If I'm working with somebody on my sixth level and they take a lot of my time and I'm working with 13 key people and those people are on my fifth Six and seventh, eighth levels, you know, I'm um, with my time about who I'm choosing to lead, um, you know, um, at the same time trying to stay abundant and just help everybody. Well, what's awesome is if you've got somebody in your seventh and you're helping them, but you know the second it's getting to level eight or not, or it's getting out of your, your actual network. But, hey, those people that are out of your network can still come to events that you're going to be at four or five oh, times yeah. a year that have 5,000 yeah, agents. Yeah, we're doing group call. We're doing all the group call stuff. Like, I mean, there's five days a week there's something going on that we're yeah. doing. You know what I'm saying? They get access to everything. They just ain't getting that. They're not getting the, um, you know, there's some people that are going to be leaders that, you know, you don't have to do a whole lot and they're going to keep going, right? And you know those who those people are in your org. And then there's people that, you know, you got, man, you got to, you better help them because otherwise they might just end up out there going and selling some more houses and not, not doing what they should be doing and staying committed and helping lead their leaders. And, you know, so you kind of want to help those people and like, Hey, I'm going to make sure I, I get you, I'm going to lead you the way you should be leading them. Right. And right. so that's the, um, you know, that's the, that's where I'm at in my, you know, in the structure of how I'm doing, you know, how I'm doing things now, but that's new for me. Like this is just kind of a, and I'm, and I'm in, I'm reinvigorated to try to, figure out how do I, how do, how can I build systems to recruit um, that, that I'm, because I'm not recruiting for me anymore. Right. Like I was, you know, man, I got to make sure I'm above 40. Like that was four years of that. Yeah. Um, you know, me, Mike and Al. So like, I'm not, you no, know, now, now it's like, who, who's a good strategic leader I could align with that, that I could pour, you know, I could point this gun at and, and just, and help fill them up. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, 
And so just starting to think a little bit more about how to really grow. And you, and that starts with your best leaders, period. Like, you, you know, because otherwise it flows all back up to you and it, it becomes heavy again. And so you, mm-hmm. you got to have. And you're not a scale. Are, if you're having to do all of it you're not, you're not at scale anymore because it's on you to have to do everything versus like that whole decentralized command, right. And delegating that ability and the skill sets and the tools to go out and let them lead their squads. Right. It's like, like when you talk about like generals and stuff, it's it's chain of command, man, a battalion commander who's in charge of 500 Marines is not making 500 decisions. He's making Mm -hmm. decisions with his top leaders who then have Mm -hmm. their leaders below them, who have their leaders below them and skill sets and, commander's intent is huge right like i'd be super curious to hear about what your commander's intent but like before we go on deployment or you know even before augments when we're getting ready to go out and into into theater right into the to the bad shit the commander will come out with what's called a commander's intent here's what we're doing here's why we're doing here's exactly why we're doing why we're doing and here's the nature we're going to go about it right and like so for example one of the bigger commander's intent that people might know is like general mattis right from the marine corps and one of his theses is, and there was more detail to it, but the, the famous slogan was, no better friend, no worse enemy, right? This is a war on terror. There are good people in these countries that need our help. And if they need our help and resources, Marines will be no better friend. And if you're fucking around, no worse enemy. And then here's what that looks like. But that commander's intent is super, is super, because it, man, it bled into every single Marine that was going over there as far as like, here's who we are. Here's what we're all about. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. You need like they needed to give us that bird's eye view goal. Here's what we are trying to accomplish. Here's who's in charge and which units are going where to accomplish that. Right. And then here's the nature and how we're going to do it as far as like our demeanor, our tenacity. Right. And you have security patrols, assault patrols, overwatch patrols, different squads had different responsibilities. Not everybody was just kicking in doors all at the same time. You had satellite patrols and but that commander's intent from the top down is what was huge because it keeps everybody in line with okay so jay kinder michael okay you guys are at the top of your top right but that commander's intent that bleeds down it's not only you know hey here's skill sets here's some tools here's some logistical ways of doing something here's you know the phone calls that you're going to do but the commander's intent is even it's bigger than those it's here's like our intention and why we're all doing this in the first place if right. that makes sense, right? And sorry for the yeah. phone ringing, Jay. That's, that's my phone. Thanks, Eli. No man, so like, it'd be curious, man. Is there something that, you know, and I could be... <laughs> yeah, dude, man, I just did this today, man. I brought the entire organization. So um, my, when I say organization, you know, there, we, we had, you know, Kennedy Stasic and, you know, a handful of, you know, independent contractors, you know, making, we got, you know, somebody helping with onboarding. We got somebody that does, um, you know, that does some outbound and some recruiting and stuff like that. And, um, and, you know, some, some logistics type stuff and whatnot, but not a lot of people, right? Like it's a pretty small, tight little org that doesn't have a lot of, um, a, a lot, a lot of uh, resources and people in it. And so then we had, you know, our coaching and training organization and EA had, which had some badasses, <laughs> um, some really good quality people. And, and we hadn't really got it all brought together in alignment completely. And that was, it was just operating kind of uh, almost kind of on maintenance mode. And so I hadn't been really elite. I wasn't leading that operation. So it all came together and I had to get clear on, on what the hell we're doing, why we're doing it, why it mattered and, and, and how we were going to go do it. And so, you know, the, I literally just gave this talk this morning and, and it was, you know, there was, you know, there's some discussion and some collaboration around it because there's some, there's some, how are we going to, who can we help? Who, you know, what's the, what is the right problem to solve? Right. And so f- for us, it was, there's, you know, there's agent, there's, there, there's a gap in the agent, the brand new agent that joins the EXP, if they join under a certain group that doesn't have good systems and, and leadership in place, 
then um, that's not, they're not going to have the same experiences if they join under you guys in Denver. Right. right. Like it's, it can be night and day difference. Right. And so like, that's, that's what we have to, we feel like we have to create and, and find the right leaders that are going to co-create that experience. And then now we're going to recruit, we're going to recruit those types of agents for you and we're going to help you. And, and that's how we're, that's one of the ways that we're going to now, and you know, which agents are we, you know, like we, we had, we got into a big, you know, debate about what, what agent that we're, you know, what's the, the ICP, what is the ideal client profile? And, you know, we were started at zero to 30 transactions was the ideal, like we could really solve problems for that agent. And, um, and there, there's a lot of debate about that zero, right? Like brand new agent, big marketplace. I don't know if I'm, I, I don't, I can't help them all. Right. And so like, you know, there was all, all this discussion around what, what, you know, is it, is it brand new or is it hungry, humble, smart? Like that's, you know, we're only looking for people that want to grow, but how do you know? Cause you don't know, <laughs> you think, yeah. you know, sometimes, but you don't know. So like, how, how do you, you know, what, you know, so for me, like, Hey, listen, we're going to help everybody that wants our help. And, and if they, and we're going to do everything we can to make that person successful, but we're not going to drag dead bodies. And so yep. like, there's some, there, there's a, there is a point at which we're going to stop pouring into people and, that don't want our help. And, and that's the right answer. On, right. It is the right. And, and Dude, it, you're it smart. a little while to get there, right? Because like the zeros, it's like, oh yeah, but the zero. Yeah. But that means like it, they could be great. They could be not great. There's no data. So, Hey, pour into everybody and then, yeah. al- and then allow the data, allow the response, allow the reaction of you watering the plant, be right. the decision maker. Don't try to make the decision ahead of time right and this is where like when people talk about even like normal companies man like don't be so stringent on the hiring process it's the firing process you got to get fucking better at you keep talking this guy up and he's going to be the killer and then when he's not you keep pouring into him because your word or your ego's on the line because you said he was going to be awesome but then he's not awesome and then you drag him around for too much longer and you fire him a year longer than it than it should have taken and we're not firing anybody here everyone's agents but it's like hey water those plants and see what grows and assess and make your decision off of real fucking data, not a hypothetical conversation when we just don't know what yes. we don't know. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think, cool. you know, you know, the, the, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier in the conversation, but it's, you know, you know, some, some we want it, we want it worse sometimes than they want it for themselves and we can see that they could do it and they could have it and they just don't want it. And, and that's, it's hard because you, you know, you want to see what you, you see it in them, right? Like you, you know, they could do it. There's just, and you're just trying to find the way to inspire them and they just don't have it. And um, that's really hard for me. It always has been. Um, but yeah, you have to, you have to be clear. You have to have agreements up front and, and, um, and that's, that it starts there like agreements, not expectations. Um, and here's what we're going to do. And then, then we can talk about why you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Um, but if it's expectation, you know, it's, then it's, you know, now it's just, you know, me thinking you should have done something that you may not even, even known you were supposed to do your head coach for Alabama football. Uh, I was watching him not too long ago and, and he talks about having, you know, when he talks to players or, or other coaches and it's, you know, when he's sitting down and he's talking to that said person, he says, we're having a conversation with your actions, not your words. So when you're coming in here and you have a problem or you're not a starter or whatever it may be, we've got to be, con- we got to be having a conversation about actions because if you're not doing what you should be doing or you could be doing more to have something, the words you're going to speak about discomfort or I need this, it, it's, it's irrelevant to action-based right and he's got his open door policy but if someone has an open door policy in conjunction with you knowing if you walk in there we're having a conversation with your actions not your words you are 10 times more reluctant to walk in that door knowing you could be doing more and if you're prepared to walk in there you've got to make sure you've you've dotted your i's and you've crossed your t's and it's those agreements hey we've agreed like you're a part of this team here's our creed to this team and here's what it takes and it's not for everyone and so if you're going to walk in here 
um, my door is open. But you might get the, the, the biggest smack on your fanny if you're not prepared right. for that, you know, and like super big deals, man. And um, that's great. I love that. But and it's good because it keeps everyone accountable and it makes them a, it just makes them pause before they before they call your phone. It makes them pause right. before they walk into your office. It, it literally creates a filter for their, themselves to be checking themselves as they should, because if they're focused more on their actions, it's like, man, I could be doing these two things because I know if I get on there. And I'm talking to Jay, but then he goes into the free course he gave me and sees that I haven't watched but six minutes of the six hours. The conversation stops. Right. And it's, hey, finish this. Go apply all of that. And then if we're still having a problem with that specific thing that you're then call me. And you probably won't be calling me about that. And if I have to tell you that kind of thing again, I'm going to get really reluctant to even have an open door policy for you. Like you're going to burn your resource if you're abusing it. Yes, man. It reminds me of a quick story. So, so we had this mentorship with, um, with Clay mask and and the leadership team at Infusionsoft. Now it's called keep. They built that thing to like a billion dollar valuation. We kind of got to got into this mastermind early. So we kind of got to watch the growing pains of building this huge organization with a thousand employees. And, um, and he, and he talked about, you know, the difference in having growers and tools and some people are growers and they're going to grow and other people are tools. They're good for the job doing whatever, but they're never going to lead people. And, and you're never going to, you're never going to move them into a role of leading others because they're not even leading themselves properly. And, um, and it was really, he said, you know, he said, he, he made a comment to me one day that man, it gave me goosebumps. He said, you know, be players are the people you spend time with instead of your family. And I was like, Oh man, like Say that again. exactly. B, B players are the people mm. you spend time with instead of your family. Mm. And cause a players get the job done 90% of the time, but B players, man, they're not quite a players and, and they're not really sometimes growers. And so they, they do really well at what they do, but you spend a lot of extra time on them. And I like all these people that started flashing through my mind over the years of people that I poured mm. into after hours and, and they never just never did, n- never did really get there. And they, I certainly couldn't have had them leading other people. And so it was a really big get for me. And, um, I remember I had this dude that, that like I had end of day reports. I was sending him out on listing appointments and I was trying to make sure he was following our process to the T and we were spending all the money and we were sending him out all these appointments. I was like, I want to end the day report every day. We're going to meet every morning. We're going to meet every, we're going to book in the day and, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to iterate fast and we're going to learn and we're going to make changes and we're going to get there faster. And so um, I remember I gave him a book to read and I wrote in the back of this book, like about three quarters away. When you get to this part of the book, call, call me. me. And, I, and, uh, and about six years later, he didn't work for me no more. About six years later, and this was like three months ago, he, he called me, he, he took a picture and sent it to me. He <laughs> said he didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. I knew he didn't read the book. Yeah. I, knew, I knew he wasn't going to read the book, so I put it in there. And, um, but it was, it was just one of those things like, man, this guy is so talented, but he's not he's not, he's doesn't, he doesn't execute, right? Like what mm-hmm. you, you, here's your biggest problem. Now, the, the funniest thing was the book I gave him was no BS time management by Dan Kennedy, which his problem was time management. And he's mm-hmm. just, you know, flying all over the place and doing things and, you know, and, and he wasn't being disciplined about his time. Probably apparently that problem came up again in his life. And he went back to that book that Jay gave him six years ago to try to solve it finally. Yeah. Right. It got big, problem got big enough. It, he had to go fix it. And you know, he actually finished the book. And, and uh, so, you know, the good news is, you know, he got there eventually, but, but yeah, I'd say, you know, those are, those are tough decisions because you, you know, this dude was one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. And, um, but I knew he would never move up in the organization and be a leader. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, being able to identify that is a big part of, um, you know, understanding you know how to grow an organization and just taking your emotion out of it. Cause you care for the guy, you love the guy. He's got so much talent. But that's an emotional response, right? And, and very mm-hmm. rarely do our emotions, when they have majority vote, 
create a good decision, you know, and it's like, right. man, it's the Jay Cutlers of the world. I don't think anyone argues Jay Cutler's arm, you know, right. and you can say, hey, he played for the Bears, the Broncos or whatever. But like, I, I think I think undoubtedly there are separation between some amazing ball throwers and Tom Brady and Tom Brady had a strong arm. Like, I, I don't want to disrespect his arm, right. but I don't think we put Tom Brady even in the top 10 of arms. Right. right? Like, I mean, hell, Michael Vick is probably in the top three for strongest arm. Right. But where are we at? And it's the same thing, man. Like it's, hey, your ability to execute and get by on talent alone is what's limiting you to growth yeah. and to leadership because you keep you keep being here. And something that Elon and I talk about a lot, man, I, I want to get your opinion on this and we'll let you go because I know we're, we're just over an hour. People don't change until it's too painful not to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whether that's you're broke and you've got $30 in your account and a baby on the way or you know your ambition and you know where you want to be, and it's too painful to stay where you're at because of how, how high your ambition wants to go. You know, and something that we had in the Marine Corps, man, during my generation, it was called training scared. Guys that were getting in the Marine Corps for my generation, it was post 9-11, right? You're joining the Marine Corps, you're going to the Marine Corps infantry. That's a very unique set of little dudes there because they're coming in after 9-11 happened. They're joining the Marine Corps and they're deciding to go to the infantry. You've signed that check. You're going. You're going. I mean, that's where we, you're going to the fight. And yeah. this one element that we had that I noticed that that is we're absent of sometimes with leadership, and we get very romanticized as far as like you know being a squad leader, you know platoon commanders in the infantry during that time, or being a part of special operations. It's very romanticized and looked up to, and 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 for good reason. Don't get me wrong, man, because I served with some fucking giants. However. We had a little bit of nitrous on that motor because there was this element of fear when we were doing workups and Mm. training prior to deployments that was in the back of everyone's fucking head. And there were guys asking more questions, running through gun drills more, disassembling and assembling machine guns under pressure even more, staying up at night and training because any little bit of extra that you could get, you would want because you would hate to not be able to perform. And, And one of your brothers gets hurt and dies or you, man, like it's it was real. And the one thing we got to do over here, whether it's real estate or anything else, but specific to real estate with all of us is how do we get people to identify their pain points? Not there. And I'm cool with why. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like what's your why? And we eat hemp and and fucking whatever. Right. Cute. (laughs) It's just hard for people to, even if they think they know their why it's hard to, to bring pressure out of a why in my opinion. But if you can get people to identify with their fear or their pain point, People will start changing because, hey, we don't like pain. We don't like mm-hmm. the reality of said certain pain. So if Elon and I is ambitious to have 20,000, 15,000 in our, in our network, then, then sitting here with 65 is extremely painful to me, regardless of income. I know my ambition. I know my leadership set skills, and I know what we're capable of. So not achieving that or any distraction thereof is a very painful point for me. So it's not just about being broke, being fat. Um, getting cheated on and being in a bad relationship. It's even at certain levels of success. And it's hard mm-hmm. for people to grasp that. But getting people to identify what pain points does create this training scared or or moving through life with that sense of urgency and fear because not achieving what you want to achieve and settling just to where you're at, identifying with that is huge, right? But there's, man, it's, yeah. it's hard to be a leader. And like what I've noticed from my days in the Marine Corps to here is complacency is a real thing here because no one's dying. Your business can die. Deals can mm-hmm. die. Your downline can die, but we're not dying. Right? So we had the ability to not have to deal with as much complacency in a time of war 
compared to what we're dealing with now? Like, do you deal with some of that, Jay? And like, how do you navigate through some of that, even for yourself, right? Like, how do you identify with your own pain points? And, And I guess what I'm getting at for the end of the show is how are you still approaching every day like it's day one dollar zero even though there's a lot of us out there that think man you've won you're there right but for you yeah. maybe you're not yeah. right so how are you still approaching that how do yeah. you still come back complacency in others and within yourself yeah so so it's um it is definitely a challenge right and and um you know i love what you're saying you know when it comes down to it, having you know finding that fear that pain point it's like it's just like when meeting with a seller if they don't have a motivation and and, a, and something that they won't get to accomplish if they don't sell their house then you know it's real hard to get them to to listen to you when, when on what you need to do to get it to sell for top dollar and make sure they do sell now today's market that's not a problem but, but when a market's normal uh you know normal type of marketplaces that's a big deal you know if i can't find right. that for you I, I have a hard time getting you to do what's right and so yeah it, it, that that's definitely and i think for for me um you know, it's, it's, it's continuously looking for what, what is, you know, what is it, where is my impact going to be felt the greatest? And, and I, and I brought a lot of people on and I I owe it to them. And I, so I feel a sense of, um, a sense of urgency to help those people. Um, um, but it it is a challenge. I, I definitely, I definitely, um, deal with complacency myself because some days, you know, I'm doing calls all day long and it's hard to see, like I said, what's moving the needle. I remember when a, a CEO friend of mine told me that, you know, he was in mortgage business, he was one of the top guys in the world in mortgages and, and doing loans. And he was in a company, he was a CEO of a $50 million company. And, and he said, man, I, I feel like what I do doesn't move the needle. And so I felt that for the last couple of years, but what keeps me, what keeps me going is, is that every single day I'm having conversations where I'm making an impact. I feel like for me, that's more, more enjoyable than anything. Um, the money doesn't matter. The money comes in anyways. So like, I don't even, that, that, that doesn't even come into the equation anymore. You got to figure out what every day makes a good day for you. Right. And, 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 um, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like, it feels like I'd be letting people down. So I'm using that as my, as my energy to keep me going. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to not respond to you. If you send me a text message, I send it right back. You know, if you want to get in my calendar, I'm going to give you a time today. Yeah. Like that for me, that's my, that's where I feel like my back's up against the wall to serve people. Um, and that's in that, that, that I had to find. It wasn't, it wasn't the easiest transition for me. But and maybe that's the um, why, maybe like when I talk about, you know, pain points, Maybe it's almost like when, because pe- people want to start with whys in the very beginning, right? Like when they're yeah. starting their career or whatever. And like, man, it just doesn't, I just, it doesn't resonate with me. So maybe no, like man. why is more of grad school. Maybe as you deal right. and identify and accomplish and overcome your pain points, you graduate into remember why you did that in the first place. And now your place is more of a why of influencing and not letting people down and, and pouring into other people's buckets, but you've already gotten past your pain points but interesting topic man but we super love having you on man i want to have you on in in the future we talked about maybe doing some events and whatnot and um but man just a a huge value add and for those that are that are in real estate that listen to this you guys have questions and whatever it may be like and you and you love jay well i might have jay's cell phone number don't say that come on over and holler at us and we'd love to have it but no man (laughs) jay we're gonna throw on some of that some of that rap music hang on for a quick sec man and we'll we'll play an outro and then we'll uh we'll get you out of here brother you got it man all righty day one dollar zero out. Never take a day off.